you're listening to Church of Hope's podcast. Thanks for joining us. We hope today's teaching encourages and inspires you. Check out hopeinocala.com for more resources on this journey called life. Here's today's teaching. Well, good morning. It's really good to see you on the campus this morning. If you'd grab your Bible or your digital device, join me in Numbers chapter 22. Glad to have you joining online uh, this morning as well. We've been in a Bible study, a series, uh, talking about your experience with Christ opens opens up your eyes to Christ. Uh, In other words, this Christmas, I think one of the best gifts we could receive is to have our eyes opened up to who Christ is what he's doing, the provisions he's providing, protection, and this morning in particular, direction for our lives. And let me ask you, have you ever made a decision that at least in the moment you had good intentions, you thought it was taking you in the right direction, only later to discover it really wasn't best for you? Ever make a decision like that, right? That, that you, had, you, had good intent, you had really good intentions. You thought you were doing the right thing for you or a relationship. But as you traveled along, you discovered you were headed in the wrong direction. A, a few weeks back, uh, I was out for uh, what I would call just a normal little run, and, and I had a, a little, like, pain in my, my shoulder blade. And I thought, what, what, what's that all about, right? And, and kind of got done with my run and came back, and uh, I thought, man, that just kind of didn't feel right. And so then I, I went to Linda. I said, hey, Linda, maybe you've done this before. Maybe you haven't. Uh, maybe you're smarter than me. Uh, I, I laid on the ground, and, you know, you got like that, that, that pain in the middle of your back. It feels like it needs to pop, right? And so you ask your significant other to step on your back. Right? And so I had, well, you step on my back. And I mean, she weighs about a buck, two pounds, right? It's not that big of a deal. And so she, she stood on my, and when I was looking this way, it was kind of fine, but I was really kind of like tight. It was like I had really tightened up some muscles. But I, I listen, I wanted, to get, I wanted to get my muscles loose. So then I turned my head to this way. And when she stood on my back, it was like, whoa, right? So I got up and kind of tried to shake it out, went on with my day. I have really good intentions that I'm headed in a direction of health. So the next day I get up and I'm supposed to do a, a, a bike ride in the garage. And so I have a trainer and I, I'm in my aero bike and um, I, I'm on my you know, handlebars. And to put, my head, to put my neck like this, it's just painful. But I think to myself, self, no pain. Yeah, yeah, hello. So I'm cranking my neck up. I'm like, I'm... I'm large and I'm not going to let this thing stop me, right? And boy, after that, I'm thinking, I have good intentions. <laughs> I have no idea. I am headed in the wrong direction, right? So the next day, I decided to go to chiropractor and, and he kind of, you know, does his, you know, snap, crackle, and pop, except for this. I am really tight. And he's trying to turn me and all that, right? All, I decide, now you would never decide this, because you, you are wiser than me, I decide I'm going to go for another run because I'm going to run it out. And so I go and I'm, I'm, I'm running and um, that, that pain in my shoulder is getting worse. And now, um, like my whole arm's going numb. What is that all about? And, and that was six weeks ago and this arm is still numb. And um, I have a little pinched nerve and whether or not I get to get it worked out or I get to go have a surgery um, is all a result of 
I was headed in the wrong direction. If I'd have just let that thing probably settle down, chillax and relax a little bit, perhaps potentially I would not be in the mess that I'm in today. I had good intentions. I thought I was working it out. I thought I was making it better. But in the end, I made it worse. Hey, how many of us, is that our story? Maybe it's with a relationship, a marriage. Maybe it's finances. Maybe it's with a substance that grew into being somewhat of a habit. And then that habit has become an addiction. How do you, how do you change directions? When you find yourself going in a direction that's not best, how do you change directions? Well, the good news is God knows all about this. And in Numbers 22, it's a story of a guy named Balaam. Balaam was somewhat of a trickster of the day. He was a false prophet. He didn't think that he was a false prophet. People would hire Balaam to go and make a prediction, either a prediction that was positive or a prediction that was negative. There's a king, his name is Balak, and he is over uh, his kingdom, and he's watching the Israelites begin to grow and to advance, and he feels threatened by them, so he hires Balaam, to go pronounce a curse against the Israelites. The problem is this. In Numbers 22, we're on the other side of the whole Israelites in Egypt. When Moses, God raised up Moses and he goes to Pharaoh and he says, Yo, Pharaoh, let my people go. That, 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 that story. And Balaam knew that there was something significant about the Israelites. Nalem knew that he probably shouldn't go and pronounce a curse on the Israelites. However, Balak promised a pretty good payday. And so Balaam is headed off. And if we had Balaam on the stage today, maybe Balaam would say, hey, these were my intentions. And maybe Balaam would say they were good intentions. But what we're gonna discover in the Bible is that Balaam is headed in the wrong direction. The question this morning is, what do you and I do when we're headed in the wrong direction. My suggestion is, it's at that moment that we need to have an experience with God because when we have an experience with God, he will open up our eyes to the direction that we're headed in and give us the opportunity to course correct. Here, you got your Bible, check it out. In Numbers 22 and verse 21, Balaam got up in the morning, saddled his donkey and went with the Moabite officials. But God was very angry when he went and the angel of the Lord stood in the road to oppose him. Why would, why would the angel of the Lord do that? Because he loves Israel. He's protecting the Israelites. He's not gonna let anybody come and pronounce a curse against the children of God. Balaam was riding on this donkey and his two servants were with him. Now, the story from God's word can be a little bit challenging for you and I to embrace. However, it is in God's word. And as Balaam's riding this donkey, the donkey's eyes see this angel of the Lord with the sword drawn. And so the, the donkey's trying to pivot. The donkey's trying to not go forward. The donkey can see that there is danger, that Balaam is headed in the wrong direction. But Balaam's upset. Balaam's like, listen, this doggone donkey, it needs to do what I tell it to do, when to do it, how to do it. Now here, check out what the Bible says. Let your eyes drop down to verse number uh, 28. Then the Lord opened the donkey's mouth. 
Now, I don't know how to explain that to you this morning. It's a miracle. Mary was a virgin. She was pregnant with Jesus, and he's our Savior. I can't explain that to you either. All I know is the Bible says, (laughs) the Lord opened the donkey's mouth, and it said to Balaam, what have I done to you to make you beat me these three times? In verse 29, Balaam answered the donkey. If you find yourself talking to a donkey, you might just be. (laughs) The donkey says to Balaam, am I not your own donkey, which you've always ridden to this day? Have I been in the habit of doing this to you? No, he said. Watch, here's the key. Then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes. See, up to this point, Balaam couldn't see what the donkey was seeing. Balaam just thinks that the donkey is being rebellious. Balaam thinks that the problem, the donkey, the problem, the donkey is his problem. What Balaam doesn't understand because his eyes are closed, it's the direction that Balaam's headed in that's his problem. It's not the donkey. Some of us are here today, you're convinced that it's your own donkey. It's maybe a spouse. It's your career. It's your health. It's the government. It's your neighbor's. It's something out there that's causing you to have this problem. And if this thing out there, if this donkey of mine, you fill in the blank, would just behave and act how I want it to be, I would be just fine. And Balaam's eyes are closed. And he can't see that he's heading the wrong direction. He can't see that destruction is just a few feet away. And notice what it says. Then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes. He saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with his sword drawn. So he bowed, that's Balaam, and fell face down. Balaam said to the angel of the Lord, I have sinned. He finally recognizes I'm headed in the wrong direction. I like what Andy Stanley says. He says, direction, not intention, determines destination. That's good. Because a lot of us find ourselves at a point in place on this 12th day of December and we say to ourselves, how did I get here? this This is not what I had planned for my life. And you feel very stuck. Or you feel like you're on a treadmill and you're like, how how, how do I get past this? Best news I can share this Christmas is God's not surprised by this. The whole Christmas story is to get us unstuck. The whole Christmas story is God saw that we as human beings are headed in the wrong direction. And he doesn't, he's not looking for you and I to try to fix it. He's looking for you and I to trust him, to have an experience with God so that our eyes will be opened to him and see the direction that we're headed is opposite of what God has for our lives. A guy named Peter, maybe you're familiar with him. He's one of the disciples. He's connected to Jesus. Some of you would say that he's very committed to Jesus. When Jesus was walking on the water, it was Peter who had the courage to swing his feet over the side of the boat and to walk on the water. Peter understood what it meant to go in the wrong direction. For most of his life, he had really good intentions. I'm going to stand up for Jesus. I'm not going to let anybody, I'm not letting anybody take my Savior out. Even when the, when the soldiers came into the garden 
to arrest Jesus, it was Peter, filled with good intentions, pulls out, pulls out his sword, and he's going to fight for Jesus. He's filled with good intentions. You're filled with good intentions. I'm not questioning your intentions this morning. What I'm questioning is your direction. Those decisions that you make day by day, it's your decisions, not your intentions, that determine your destination. And so then Peter, after Jesus is arrested, people begin to connect the dots. And they say, wait a second, aren't you Peter? Aren't you one of those followers? No, 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 that's not me. A second time, no, 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 that's not me. A third time, no, 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 that's not me. Peter had great intentions, but on that day, his direction was in the opposite of Jesus. And that's why in 2 Peter chapter 2, Peter writes to all of us today. They have left. Maybe that's you. Maybe you need to put your name in there. Mark, put your name. Mark has left the straight way and wandered off to follow in the way, there it is, of Balaam. This story of Balaam, it's not some old, archaic, Old Testament story. Peter brings it all the way up into the New Testament because he wants all of us to know that it is direction, not intention. It's the direction in which you're headed. You and I, where we are right here, listen, I realize some of you have had some, me included, we've had some difficult situations in our life, some difficult circumstances. You might not have chosen your parents. You didn't choose to be born in a certain place at a certain time. But what I do know is this, is that you and I, where you sit today, is the result of the daily decisions and how we see ourselves, regardless of how challenging your external circumstances, and they might be challenging. You find yourself on the other side of someone's decision. You know, I can't, all I know is this, is where you sit today, you have a decision. You have an opportunity. Balaam had an opportunity. He did not have to continue in that direction. It was when he had an experience with God on that road that his eyes were opened up and he saw that angel of the Lord in front and he made a decision. He didn't have to agree with God. He could have been stubborn and pressed forward. I didn't have to continue to exercise all week long. I could have paused and rested, but I kept pushing forward. And the result, because I was walking in the opposite direction of my health, it's caused more problems. So this morning, again, let me ask you, how do you change directions? How do you make a decision? How do you decide to course correct and are you willing this morning, like Balaam, who's heading in the wrong direction, to have your eyes opened by God and then come alongside and agree with God that you're headed in the wrong direction and have a course correction? Good news is this. is God's all about changing direction. He's for us. It's a word in the Bible that perhaps you see in a negative light, but it really is positive. It's the word repentance. See, repentance is just to walk in the opposite direction. In other words, I'm walking in this direction. This is what I want. This is what I think. This is how I feel. But then something happens that opens up my eyes 
and I repent. I stop and I agree. That's not the right direction. And I change directions and I walk away. That's what repentance is. When you and I become Christ followers, we're walking in our own direction. This is what I want. This is what I think. This is how I feel. This is what my opinions are. And then the Spirit of God opens up our eyes. We see how much God loves us in Jesus. And we repent. We agree with God that we're wrong. We agree with God that we can't fix our lives. And we course adjust. We change directions. We repent. And God's not mad at us. The whole story of God is to lead us to repentance. Here, check out your Bible, 2 Peter 3 and 9 on the big Bible on the screen. The Lord, not wanting anyone to perish, God doesn't want anybody to miss out on heaven. God doesn't want anybody to be lost. God doesn't want anybody to go to hell. God doesn't send anybody to hell. God wants all to discover hope in his son Jesus. He wants all of us to come to repentance. Repentance is to come to agreement that the direction, Balaam was headed in a direction that was going to destroy his life. But he repented. His eyes were opened. He saw it the way God saw it. And he turned. He pivoted. And he began to go into a different direction. Luke chapter 15 and verse 7, the Bible says this. I tell you this. In the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Heaven celebrates when you and I repent, when you and I are heading the wrong direction away from God. We're making decisions. We're having thoughts. We have behavior. We have actions that's headed away from God, that's headed towards destruction. And our eyes are opened and we agree with God. This is not what's best for my marriage. This is not what's best for my health. This is not what's best for my life. And we agree with God and we repent in turn. The Bible says heaven has a party. Why would, it, why would we be slow to repent? God calls us. God wants all of us to lean into this space. So here's the question this morning. How do we do it? How do you and I have our eyes opened up how do we set ourselves up into a space where we change directions? And in particular, when you're used to going in one direction, it becomes a habit. You become used to it. It becomes more familiar. Even, even if it's not producing the results, a lot of us will continue in a negative direction because at least we're familiar and we kind of know how this is. But for us to change for us to repent, we don't know what this is like, so we stay stuck even in a life that you would say is not best. Are you ready? If you've got a couple, uh, if you've got a, a, a pen or, or a notepad and you want to write this down, here's, here's some thoughts. I think it'll help you. Number one is just write this down, is we've got to develop a new pattern. Balaam was in a pattern three different times. He is beating his donkey. It's developing a pattern. It's becoming a habit. He's convinced this is the direction to go. And so the first time the donkey tries to pull to the side, he beats that donkey and he says, no, I'm not course correcting. I'm not changing direction. I'm headed in this direction. He's developing a pattern. He's developing a habit. This is how I do it. A second time, the donkey tries to, to take him in a different direction. He says, no, a third time, finally. Habits in our life. 
The Bible says in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, do not conform to the pattern of this world, the habits, the systems, the ways. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed, changed, transformed, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. This transformation in your mind, it's, 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 it's a new identity. It's changing direction. Here, check out what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. So, don't raise your hands, but I got a question for you. Have you made a decision for Jesus? Now, if you haven't, then this piece isn't for you. But if you've made a decision for Jesus, if, if inside your heart there was like, I'm accepting Christ as my Savior, the Bible says that you become a new person. The old person has passed away. Behold, all things become new. In other words, your identity has changed. And when you're talking about developing new patterns, most of us, right, we want to develop a new pattern by its outcome. You want to lose some weight, right? That's the outcome. I want to be thinner. So then we, we go to a, a process. Is it a keto diet? Is it a South Beach diet? Do I need to go to the gym more? And, and we begin to try to have change, change of direction by outcome. I want to weigh less. And so we look for a certain process, right? And, and we never, it never dawns on us that the way to have lasting change is to change my identity. See, see in 19 days, it's a brand new year. And no doubt, many people are going to be thinking about a New Year's um, resolution, and you're going to think, okay, I want to lose some weight, or I want to start reading my Bible through the year, and, um, or whatever it might be. I, I want to have a better marriage. Well, what, what, I, I, I want to have more money at the end of this year. I'm tired of living paycheck to paycheck, and that's an outcome. And you try to develop change by an outcome. But what the Bible says is altogether different. The change that happens when you become a follower of Jesus you become a new person. My identity has changed. It's not about the outcome. A lot of us are frustrated. A lot of us fail in trying to change a habit or start a new habit because we start with the outcome or the process rather than starting from identity. I'm a believer. I'm a follower of Jesus. This is who I am. I don't do this. I don't do that. And I do this and I do that because I'm a follower of Jesus. This is who I am. And every decision that I make is either a vote of that identity or a vote against that identity. Let me see if I can help illustrate. Say a person's struggling with, with smoking. Let's say two people are struggling with smoking. Both people want to quit. Both people no longer want to be smokers. So they're, they're working at it, right? They're trying, they're doing their best. And uh, they're both in an environment where somebody offers each one of them a smoke. The first person says, hey, thanks, but no thanks, I'm, I'm trying to quit, right? Now, that seems reasonable, doesn't it? That, like, listen, I'm, I, I, 
I am a smoker. I used to be a smoker. I'm trying not to be a smoker. I, I, I'm trying, please. And, and we, we watch, right, that resistance. I'm not going to smoke. I'm not going to smoke. I promise I'm not going to smoke, right? And it seems very reasonable. I'm trying to quit. Compared to the second person, when they're offered the cigarette, they respond by saying, no thanks, I'm not a smoker. Altogether different. Because it's based in identity your habits your decisions Balaam's habit he was convinced that his ways were better he was developing a habit that was leading towards destruction the way you and I undo those habits is not by the outcome not by the processes but by rather coming back and saying listen this is my identity if you're a person who every Saturday records or watches the college football game day show, and then no matter what college game is being played, even if it's the Army-Navy game, you're watching college football every single Saturday, you're, you're declaring, I am a college football fan. Every single action that, that you're taking, I'm a college football fan. If you... Um, Every day, find time, make time to, to read. You are declaring each and every day that I'm, I'm a reader. If you get your pen out and you write each day, you're declaring I'm a writer. Your daily decisions are voting for the person that you are. Likewise, if you're a Christ follower. If you're a follower of Jesus, your decisions. See, the reason some of us really struggle is because if we could get real honest this morning... The direction that you're headed in really isn't a Christ following. It doesn't vote saying, I make these decisions because I'm a Christ follower. You make decisions sometimes reluctantly because I'm a churchgoer. I, I make these decisions because I don't want God mad at me. Or there's a special offering coming in pictures from Kentucky and devastation, so I guess I better give some money. Those are outcomes that's why it's a struggle. That's why one day you kind of like, okay, I'm going to trust God with my money. Other days I'm not. Or one day I'm going to read my Bible or not. A Christ follower wakes up every day and says, listen, I'm a follower of Jesus. My life has changed. It's no longer Mark David Cummins. I'm a son of God. I'm reading my Bible, not because of an outcome, but because I'm a Christ follower. It's my identity. When I said yes to Linda Beth Gibson on the third day of June, my identity changed from being a single man to being a married man. And the decisions that I've made every day since are rooted in my identity as married to Linda. It's your identity. We change our identity and the outcomes and the processes are soon to follow. Now let me give you this, walking out the door this morning. So how do you, how do, how do, you, how do, you do that? It's not this let me just let me, let me say it in a positive way. We make these changes in our patterns one step at a time. Or if I could give you a percentages, 1%. I, I've just woken up every single day since 1989 and just tried every single day, okay, I'm going to give 1% more to this marriage. 1% more. And here, here's what I've got. I've got 33 years now, next year. I've got the cumulative 1% that build up 
over time that begins to change my life. Listen to a part of the Christmas story from Zechariah in Luke chapter 1. Zechariah was the daddy of John the Baptist, who became, of course, the cousin to, to Jesus. Here's what, here's what Zechariah said in Luke chapter 1, verse 79 from the message. Then showing us the way. What is the way? One foot at a time. Down the path of peace. One step at a time. See, my identity, I make decisions, not outcomes, not processes. My decisions are rooted in my identity. I, I, I don't exercise. Right now I'm not exercising because I'm hurt. But I exercise not because of an outcome or because of a process. It's my identity. I'm an athlete. I might be 56. I'm not a professional athlete, but I'm, I'm an athlete. I've identified. I make decisions in respect to other female relationships because of my identity as a married man to Linda. I make decisions that I won't do this or I will do that because I have been identified as a follower of Jesus Christ. And that didn't happen overnight. Listen, every decision you make is a vote of your identity. Just like a, an election. An election, for someone to become elected into public office, they don't need every vote. They just need one more vote. And some days, you don't make the best decisions. That's okay. You need the majority of the days. Majority of the days say, I'm going to wake up and I'm just going to improve 1% more. I know that doesn't feel very notable or noticeable. And it might not even seem meaningful. But when you begin to add it up over time, whatever that, whatever that identity, whatever that dream of you stepping in and making a difference, however that might be in your life, when you start and you just begin to apply your life 1% at a time, on the other side, the outcome, it will take care of itself. And you'll be in a place unlike any other place where you'll be able to step up and step in and put the star, the dream, and the goal of your life in place.
a day. The difference from a place of identity. Who do you want to be? If the conversation is about being a Christ follower, you're a new person. And every day that you act on that, it's a vote of your identity. If you've never voted in Jesus in your life, this morning I encourage you, vote Jesus. You don't have to have 100% of it all figured out today. Your first step is just a 1%. To believe that you can't fix yourself. And the whole story of God is that he's not mad at you, he's madly in love with you. Would you choose Jesus in your life today, right where you're sitting or online? You could pray and say, hey, Jesus, it's me. You could do that right now. Jesus, it's me. I don't have you 100% figured out. But 1% I can't embrace. I can't fix me. I've sinned. You've opened my eyes today, and I'm headed in the wrong direction. I believe, Jesus, that you died on that cross for me. And three days later, you became alive again. And I vote you in my life today. And those who've prayed that prayer, welcome to God's family. I'd like to help you continue to take a 1% decision each and every day. The way we can do that is at your chair, there is a connect card. You can fill that card out and say, Mark, today I, I chose Jesus, and I'll reach out to you, and I'll set you up to take a 1% tomorrow, 1% the next day. Put some tools in your hand. Or the privacy of your own phone. You can just text the word today to 63566. Welcome to God's family. Maybe you'd be like, you know, Mark, I've already become a follower of Jesus. Perhaps your 1% realize your identity. Change Lasting change is rooted in your identity. Then the habits, then the decisions that you make every day, they become a vote for that new identity. You can't separate the two. So if you've made a decision for Jesus, yet you've not yet been baptized, like this morning we had people come to be baptized. They were saying out loud, my identity has changed. I want the world to know. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's a vote. That's a decision. To, to make a decision for Jesus, the Bible says that the next best step is to go public in believer's baptism, to declare to the world that I am a follower of Jesus Christ. Baptism doesn't make you right with God. Baptism doesn't save you. Baptism reveals your new identity is in 
Christ Jesus. It's a vote. As a Christ follower, every time you make a decision, or may I say it this way, in love, every time you make a decision that isn't in the Christ-following way, it's a vote against your identity. You know, this annual Jesus at the top offering, I understand, listen, I, I, I'm, I'm on the same dusty trail as you all are, and we live in a culture today where people aren't very honest. There's a lot of manipulation going on. I get it. You might say, well, wait a second, PMC, you mean Jesus at the top, and doesn't that kind of feel manipulative, and aren't we just trying to get money out of people? And I, I understand that could be an argument. But I also would like to say out loud, from an identity, not an outcome, not a process, Jesus at the top is not about the process. Jesus at the top, it's not about the outcome. It's about the identity. See, when I made a decision for Jesus and became a Christ follower, it changed my identity. It now shapes how I think. It shapes how I act. It shapes how I spend. It shapes how I live. And so it makes sense to me that when we say it's about Christmas and it's really about Jesus is the reason for the season, like my identity says, I really believe that. Like my spirit inside, I'm not saying, I'm saying inside of me. To go to a birthday party and to ignore the birthday boy or birthday girl doesn't make sense. And so we try to create Jesus at the top for Christ followers to lean into their identity. I want God. I believe when I became a Christ follower, I identified with Christ. He owns everything that I have. Linda and I, when we give, it's, it's, it's every, he owns everything that we have. And I can tell you, I can't think of a better way. It's the most satisfying life that I could ever imagine. And this list of different ministries, including what happened in Kentucky on Friday night, We've made contact with a local church there. We have found that what's best, rather than just giving off to the Red Cross or other organizations, to find a church like our church, 3G kind of church, skin in the game church, boots on the ground church. And so we have found through our, our, our relationship with Kevin Sheely, who has roots uh, up in, he's on our leadership team. He's the president uh, of the uh, CEP here in our town, he has roots in Kentucky. We've made contact with a local church. And a significant portion of, of our Christmas offering, I would imagine, is going to help these, these precious men and women. It's just devastating. That's who we are. It's not what we do. Well, I, don't, I don't turn you upside down and say, hey, give some money. How much? I'm just saying, if you're a Christ follower, God has put resources in our hands to step in. This Thursday, if you would, I'd ask for you to pray. December 16th. A miracle is happening in Ocala, Florida. At 10.30 a.m. and at 3.30 p.m. At 10.30 a.m. at Howard Middle School. And at 3.30 p.m. at Liberty Middle School. God is doing, I'm, I'm talking about a miracle in these schools. We have brought in a gospel basketball team, King Courts, Google it. They travel the world, kind of like a Christian Globetrotters kind of a thing, right? And um, we are going to share the gospel. We're not going to say we're thankful for God. Nothing wrong being thankful for God. 
We're walking on Howard Middle School at 10.30 a.m. And we're walking on Liberty Middle School at 3.30. And we're saying out loud, Jesus Christ is the best way to live and the only way to die. It costs, you know, it costs some money to bring in a group like that. And listen, in case you're a little skeptical, like, yeah, I don't know that, I, I don't know that that can really be said like that. You know, we have separation of church and state and all that kind of stuff. Hey, hey, listen, all I know is I serve a God who causes donkeys to speak. And by the way, um, um, I, I know who the speaker is at 1030, and I know who the speaker is at 330. I know him really well. And I know he's not going to be shy about putting Jesus into play. That's, that's Jesus at the top. That's us saying out loud that we, we identify as Christ followers. This isn't something that we do. We don't kind of muster this up. This is who we are. And then this Christmas Eve, Eve at the farm. Did you catch it? Christmas Eve, Eve. Thursday the 23rd. If you show up at the farm on Christmas Eve the 24th, have fun. You and the cows and the horses can have a conversation. Donkey might talk. But we ain't going to be there because we're meeting on Thursday, December 23rd. But here's the deal. I'm a Christ follower. See, this isn't just a photo op for me and my family. This is an opportunity because my identity has been changed, this is an opportunity for me to bring a coworker, a client, a neighbor, a relative, who might not ever come to a church, but would come to the farm. See, my identity as a Christ follower leads me to point people to Jesus. And if you're not pointing people to Jesus, maybe you need to have a conversation with Jesus about whether or not you are a Christ follower. Because every decision you make Every single day is either a vote for your identity or against your identity. We can no longer say out loud, I am this, but I do that. The reason the world is in the condition that it is is because so-called Christ followers have said, I'm this, but I do that. I'm just telling you, those two don't line up. My identity shapes my direction. My identity shapes my decisions. My identity one day is going to determine my destiny. And one day, it's going to be with Jesus, the King of Kings, 24-7, 365, for all of eternity. What started in the Marine Corps will continue in glory. Hey, would you stand? I would like to pray over you if you'd let me. Pray God's hand of blessing over your life this morning. Father in heaven, it's a bunch of your kids. And like, like Balaam, it's easy for us to get headed out into a direction. It's easy for us to develop habits. We're asking this morning that you'd break those habits. We're asking this morning through this experience with you and your word that you would open up our eyes to the direction in which we're headed. God, would you once again establish for all Christ followers that our identity goes far beyond age, my last name, the state in which I live, a political party in which I'm a member. 
all those things that we identify ourselves, would you this morning do a fresh work in all of our hearts and minds that our identity is rooted and established as followers of Jesus and therefore we are a new person. And now, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would invade every man and every woman that is a Christ follower and you would challenge us. You would awaken us. Use the donkeys in our life to open up our eyes, to see the direction in which we're headed. And I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would give all in this room the humility to repent, to agree with you. And God, give us all of the confidence that 1%, small, little decisions each and every day are a vote of who we say that we are. Bless these people, God. May they walk in your favor. May they experience the power of your presence. May they have the aroma that only obedience happens when they trust you and obey, that you'd give them joy unspeakable and full of grace and mercy. Bless them. Keep them. Until we gathered again to declare your greatness and your goodness. For it is in the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Peace.